Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you're looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today we have on Angelica and Billy Taylor. We are so grateful that they're joining us on Sense of Soul. Shanna and I have known them for many years and consider them good friends. Today we are going to talk about how they lost their sweet son, Dylan. We will talk about the event itself and how they've turned their pain into purpose. Angelica and I actually recorded before and I was going to release it on Patreon, but it just was lost. I believe, as all of our listeners know, that everything happens for a reason. And I think that that was the divine letting us know that her husband, Billy, needed to be part of this interview. And I am so grateful that Billy is here to join us today. I really believe it's important that we hear from a man and what it felt like for him to lose his son, because I have never heard a man speak on this topic. I see many women, but I I think more men need to speak out about it. And again, we are just grateful that you guys are here to join us. And I know that this is a painful topic, but I thank you for joining us today on Sense of Soul podcast. Well, thanks for having us. I feel honored and privileged to be part of it. Blessed. You know, I, I want to jump back really fast because I don't even know if I know the real story. Like, tell me about the day that you guys met and decided that you were going to date one another. Bill, why don't you tell your side? Because it's so funny. <laughs> well, Angelica and I went to high school together and there was a party that I really did not want to go to. And my best friend, Chris, and a couple other buddies talked me into to going to it. But I drank very heavily. He was going to a girl's house that he was kind of hooking up with. It was like a friends with benefit. And she don't care. This is how we roll, right? <laughs> so anyway, it wasn't serious at all, but it was her birthday party at somebody's house. So anyway, this is 1993. So we go to the party. I go through the door. And Angelica, when she tells the story, she's like, oh, hearts for eyes. And chase. I was like, when I walked in, we had a friend, a mutual friend that was there, Tisha. And I said, Tisha, you got to go put in a good word for it. You know, you got to go talk me up, go make me look good and all that stuff. She's beautiful, right? But I told everybody literally right before that party that I was not going to date anybody seriously. And a little friendly bet that I'd be the last one to get married. But he walked in and it was like instant. I knew what I wanted, and I was like, that's it. But it, it worked out well. I yeah. tried to keep some distance early on and not commit, overly commit. Probably played a little hard to get, but fell hard. And then I remember the little one-off stuff, like going to an apartment and waiting for her to show up, the lunch dates and all that. But I remember we came in from being out and around my mom and dad. And she went to sit, I think, next to my dad. I was sitting next to my mom. And I watched her engage them just back and forth and the banter and all that stuff. And at that point, I knew. I was like, I love her. And that's when I told her. That's the first time I told her. Well, he is the youngest of seven. He was a mama's boy. Like, very loved his mom. She passed away. But he walked on water to his mom. And so I think he has told me that since his mom loved me, If my mom approved, then yeah. Definitely deep in the attachment. That's for sure. Made it easier, I guess, though. And then it moved really, really fast. It was like, his friends were like, what? You just met her and now what? A year later, you're engaged and now you're getting married. I mean, it was fast. It was really fast. And here we are. (laughs) I love it. 28 years later. Oh my gosh. Through all the ups and the downs. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to stand in your wedding. Yes, you were. You were. Yes. I didn't realize it was that fast. Then how long after you got married, did you get pregnant, Angelica? So we got married in 95 and he was born in 97. Not even two years. She came home and said, 
I think we're ready to have a baby. And I was like, yeah, I think we are. I'll try all we can. And Mandy was cool because we started planning out for it in advance and saying, okay, we know we, know we want to have a kid. No, she's going to get pregnant. The anticipation of, you know, you want a healthy baby and what that looks like. But we were all in. So she'd go to the store and come back with a little outfit. I remember even before we knew what the sex was, you know, we were picking up little odds and ends. And she'd pick up diapers saying that, oh, you know, we can't buy them all at once. But if we stock up a little bit here and there, then we'll have plenty. So we were preparing mm-hmm. long before you know when they tell you don't set up things too soon you don't realize why they say that well we found out we were having a boy you know we were all in before but like the little stuff football and mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm. for our listeners so you guys know angelica is she does she's amazing at interior design when they talk about being organized and anticipating and planning, that's so Angelica. I can only imagine how cute the nursery, had you started it, Angelica? It wasn't complete, but we, we definitely did. Lots of stuff. And then yeah. tore it all down. And the, the little blankets, the little knickknack stuff. Yeah, football. Going to have my yeah. boy. And uh, it, it was exciting. I mean, uh, very, very exciting. Let's talk about the doctor's appointments. Did they say everything was healthy? Did you do all the tests? Everything came back normal? No, actually not. But it doesn't have, I don't know if it has anything to do with each other, but you know, the blood test you do at 16 weeks, it was 16 weeks then. I don't know what it is now, but the blood test to see if it has like downs or whatever, it came back abnormal. And so we actually went in and had an amnio and then it came back fine. So I don't know if it had anything to do with that. You know, I'm not really sure if that played into it, but everything was normal at that point. Yeah. At 16 weeks. Her gynecologist was actually really great. Phenomenal. Did a good job by going to the appointments, explaining stuff. And even on that stuff, she's like, don't worry. You know, we'll do some confirmatory testing. We'll monitor throughout. But from all outward appearances, it was a very healthy pregnancy. It felt great. Yeah. I was excited. I was really happy. I felt good. You know, then I started going in after that and my proteins would be a little elevated. But right before that, I had swollen up really bad and I went in and they said, yeah, your proteins are elevated. Just go home and uh, put your feet up, compression stockings and stuff. And I still feel guilty because I would do it, but I wasn't, but I was concerned because you never think anything bad is going to happen. And we didn't know anybody that had gone through this so it was like oh we're young everything's fine and then so it was our anniversary and we go to Brooks and of course you know I ate all the salty food I I ate everything they told me not to do and so that plays into a lot of guilt too but you don't think anything's going to happen even before the anniversary she'd complain of stomach pains oh yeah I thought it was heartburn hindsight being 2020 you know were they indicators what happens on a normal pregnancy and obviously we were kids. So, yeah. so you don't know. You, you just assume that that's part of the process. And then it was Bronco Sunday and we traditionally just always watched football. I had been complaining also of pains between my rib cage, like indigestion, yeah. Yeah. but it wasn't indigestion. It was my liver was starting to enlarge. And we didn't know that until we knew what I, I got really sick and found out what I had. But that day... I had already taken a bath. I was, I'm a bath person to this day. And then I took another bath, I think in the afternoon we ate, I went to the bath again and Bill was like, this isn't right. This is not right. I said, I don't feel good. My stomach is hurting. You know, I said, no, I'm not going. He's going to take you. We go in and she gets checked. Blood pressure is super high. I'm in a lot of pain. And the doctors are concerned. So I got admitted, not at my normal hospital. We were living in Westminster at the time. So I got admitted and they knew I was pregnant. And so to have blood pressure that high, it was not good. 
So then they did a full, they did x-rays and I was like, I'm pregnant. And so they made me wear one of those big the apron things. Yeah. And I'm freaking out and I'm like, is the baby okay? What's happening? And then they thought I had gallstones or something was wrong with my gallbladder. So then they send the test to my doctor who's at Rose and she calls and says, get her down here right now. I mean, I was in and out of consciousness, like, because I was in so much pain and they gave me the medicine. I was like, oh, everything's fine. Baby's fine, you know? And then they sent me to Rose in an ambulance and I was still like in and out and Bill couldn't ride with me and show up at Rose. He's there and he's called some friends. They're there. And I'm like, what's happening? I still don't know how those guys found out, but they were at the hospital when we arrived. His buddies, because they were, they all worked together, were there. I, they opened up the doors and I was like, well, who's, what's, who's here? I'm like, what's going on? So Billy, when Kurt had to ride behind the ambulance the night of my asthma attack, he said he literally doesn't even remember driving. He was like crying, driving, and like in a blackout. Do you remember anything that, you like experienced or like can you talk about that for a moment that must have been fucking terrifying uh surreal numb you don't know you know it's bad i'm probably more optimistic so i'm like okay her gynecologist really good like i said she was great throughout the process so it's gonna be all right it's just it's complicated you know and so scared but at that point and i think this is a guy side of things that you try to be strong so you don't panic you're like oh we'll work it out it's going to be fine it's going to be fine so even getting into the hospital when your friends are there you're like oh it's going to be good we're going to be fine you know we're going to get her checked out they'll get her taken care of and at that juncture i remember she's going to have to be on bed rest you know I'm going to even have to take care of her even more. <laughs> it was one of those things that it was going to be okay. And then they brought in the specialist. And when they brought her back, that part was terrible. Because machines, uh, Well, it's this time of year, too. It's the fall, um, you know, October, it's approaching October, the Christmas, the crisp air. The knees yeah. turning, all that up in the triggers too. But they said to Bill, your wife is really sick. Yeah. I think after she saw me, got all this stuff, information, more tests, then she said to him. It, there's this, <laughs> sorry. Don't be sorry and take a moment if you need to and can just sit in silence for a moment because Shanna and I, you know, stressed to our listeners that you know, to cry and release these feelings is healthy. This is why I think it was important to have you on, Billy, because it's important to let men know that it's okay, even after all these years, to have emotions like this and to feel the way you are. So please don't apologize. Well, I appreciate that. And until you go through it, you can't put words to it. Mm -hmm. But you go back there, and you, like I said, I'm pretty lighthearted, like joking around and the doctors get in there and they're like, you know what? There's a good possibility that you're going to lose them both. Holy so, shit. Those, that's like, literally what they said to you. Yeah. Then just how fast it was like, Hey, we need to induce. The only way to save Angelica is for her to deliver. Yeah, we, we've got to induce, and, I, and I'm like, no, it's too soon. Can't we just keep her in the hospital? Can't we just keep her in the bed? Can't you guys monitor it? You know, can we get it a little bit farther out? And they said, you've got to make some tough decisions. And at this juncture, Angelica is not able to, she was just unaware, so drugged up, and you got to make decisions. And here's the consequences of the decisions. At that juncture, you're like, what do you do? You know? Of course, the doctors want to save me because they had said the baby is, they use the term not, maybe not viable, shit like that. Like, you know, what do you mean the baby's not viable? You know, because it's so young, because I had just turned 25 weeks and 27 weeks is the week, or 28, 27, 28 weeks is what you're hoping for. 
again, because I was on such good pain meds, I didn't feel the pain anymore. So I didn't feel sick. I just knew I was groggy. Every time I woke up, he's crying. I still don't feel the urgency and everything. And so my doctor, Dr. Russell said, you're really sick. We have to induce because you won't, you won't make it. I had health syndrome, a very severe and rare case of preeclampsia. It is the severest. It's called H-E-L-L-P-M-E. So the, the H stands for hemolysis and it's your red blood cells are starting to break down. Then you have elevated liver enzymes. So you're going to have liver failure. Then you have low platelets. So that's where the H-E-L-L-P comes from. And so you can't clot. So I was already so elevated that my blood platelets were so low. They thought I was going to like bleed out or I was going to have seizures. My organs were going to start to fail. So to go from feeling really good to just having a stomach ache to now being almost that far gone, it was very wow. surreal, like Bill said, like, and I hadn't even, and so I'm like, you're going to induce what? I just remember my doctor standing over me. I'm like, I had IVs everywhere. But they were getting ready to push the medicine right into the carotid. I mean, like, yes. yes. And so they did that. And I just remember her looking over me. She's like, it's going to be okay. Because she was so soothing that it made me feel it was everything was going to be okay. And they brought me in and said, all right, you got to make some choices. Here's what's going on. And then I said, when Dylan's born, you know, what, what are those chances? And they gave you a there's a chance. It, it doesn't look good, but you know that there, there's always a chance. And this gives both of them the best possible option. And then you worry about that, okay, if I make this decision and he does pass away, would Angelica ever forgive me? Oh, baby. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't think it would be this hard. Uh, but you just weighed the options out and said, let's induce and pray and hope for the best. And we prayed a lot. But uh, that's when they went ahead and did the induction. Mm -hmm. Started giving me all the meds. Uh, yeah. Had the Pitocin. The, um, yeah. and I mean, I had everything. They wouldn't put a monitor on my belly, monitor the baby. So they stopped monitoring him because they were all focused on me. They didn't at that point do anything for him other than the medicine they give you to induce you to help his lungs. That was really it. Yeah. That was really hard. I do remember right before all that though, they did do the quick little ultrasound to make sure the heartbeat and all that stuff was, was good. So that's. And was it good? Yeah. His heartbeat was fine. Strong. Inside me, he was fine. Billy, that is a lot of fucking pressure on a husband's shoulders to have to make that sort of decision. And I'll never forget when I found out that was a decision that you had to make, I literally like was sick to my stomach because no husband should ever have to be put in that position. And so my heart just went out to you because it was like, of course you want your wife to live, but this is your first son. Did you have support in making that decision? I know you said you prayed. Was Were your parents there? Were, were your friends there? Or was this just you and the doctors? Well, my dad had come in and I had friends in the lobby. But as far as making the decision, I didn't go back out to the lobby till after Dylan was born. So it was yeah, between me and God. You know, and, and it's... You always wonder that you do the right thing, but yeah. I will tell you that going through that, you count your blessings a lot. You know, things aren't that bad. It, God, how do I articulate this? I've never felt more alone. Mm. Mind races, like, you know, will she forgive me? You know, what, what does this look like? And so you, you compartmentalize. You're like, okay, let, let's just get through this. Have the baby. Let's get her healthy. Let's, let's get him healthy. I really try to break it down to step by step. Let, let, let's get through this. Okay, this is good. Let's get through this. 
And I didn't think too far in advance other than that, like how it looks two weeks from now or three weeks from now, two months from now, we'll deal with that later. Let's just the next hour, you know, is, is she okay? And I will tell you, when Dylan came out, you feel the same as you feel with Paige and Mitchell, the, the excitement, the joy, the, you didn't get to do the, the little things because he had to go into the incubator real fast and all that. But after checking on Angelica, and this is what made me that sense of calm is I got to go in and they had a little hole in the incubator that you could put your hand in and he would grab your fingers and he, he would hold on and stuff. I remember that. Bill was so strong for me. He never left my side, never. And so after Dylan was born, I didn't get to hold him, nothing. And so they took him and Bill got to spend quite a bit of time with him, which I'm so thankful for. They didn't bring me in until I was stable. I think 12 hours yeah, or so. And I still had that thing in my neck and my my hair was, they didn't even, <laughs> they, they just bandaged it all up. And so I couldn't even straighten out my neck. And so I go to see him. We couldn't hold him, you know, he's there, he's tiny, so tiny. I mean, his fingers were, I, I mean, I can't even explain, he was so tiny. And he was perfect other than he was just small. He just wasn't, couldn't live. He just couldn't, um, he lived for 24 hours, you know, he, he fought. And they told us that um, creamy boys aren't as strong as creamy girls. and I don't know what it is, the XX, XY chromosome, but we were still so hopeful. He was born alive. We were like, he's, he's alive. He's alive. That We just thought he was going to be fine. And I did get to spend as much time as possible. And that part was, it was no different than Paige, no different from Mitchell. My dad got to come in. Yeah, everybody got to him. visit. Dad, Who wanted to come visit. And the same thing. And that means a lot. Just hold his, his hand. And at that juncture, I'm like, Okay, we're gonna be okay. I don't know what it looks like. You know, there could be complications. Is, is he handicapped? All that stuff. And then they came in and said, it's, "Well, he had a brain hemorrhage." That was the second wave of decisions. They they came in is they said, "Okay, do you want a DNR on Dylan?" And at that juncture, they explained about the the hemorrhage and what that would look like and, and the complications. So, so you're making choices that nobody should ever have to make, right? You should never be the one to. Oh, they asked if, when he said DNR, if he was born, if he was not alive or would, struggling when he was born, would we want to yeah. or do everything we could to keep him alive? And we said, absolutely, yes. And then they tried to explain he could have handicapped, he could be blind, he could be this, he could be that. And we were like, we don't care. We don't care. We just want our son. We just want our son. And so he was born alive. And that's when I said, oh my gosh, he's alive. And so then they take him. Dylan was a vaginal birth, correct? Yes. Yes. And so you went through the normal contractions and birth? Yeah, I was on an epidural, so I didn't feel, you know, all that. But yes, I had all of that. I had everything, everything. Okay. And how much did Dylan weigh when he was born? Less than two pounds. Yeah. Less than two pounds, less than 12 inches. You know, I remember seeing Dylan and visiting, and I remember, oh my gosh, he was so tiny. Like, you could hold him in your hand. But he had every part the uh, baby would have the fingernails I mean little lashes he was like so angelic and perfect he was just he was. tiny he was tiny Billy I love that you told our listeners that you experienced that same joy that you did for your two children that you have now when Dylan was born because at the same time it had to have been very terrifying to see such a small little baby, but he was perfect. Mm -hmm. Every way that you expect a child to be, Dylan was that way. He was just, he was small. He was so tiny. And maybe when you say you can hold him in the palm of your hand, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he, 
he was little, but even then, and this is some of the things that uh, we brought the little football, and I don't know who brought it from the house, but we put it in the incubator. They let us put it off in the incubator off to the side. And it, it, it was your boy. And then you knew it was going to be difficult and, and you knew there's going to be challenges. But like I said, you compartmentalized. So for me, it was like, okay, let's, let's this. And then, you know, when he passed away, then it was the, how do you say goodbye to that? And when you talk about loss, it's, it's not just the loss of him, but it, it was loss of potential. Like you wonder what he would have been like three, five, homecoming call. Yeah. So how did you guys say goodbye to him? Leaving the hospital without a baby must have been just the hardest thing to do. Well, when they came in and said he'd had a brain hemorrhage, what do you want to do? We were like, okay, if we try to keep him alive right now, it's for us, not for him. And that guilt, you know, could they have, could have, would have, you know, but we didn't want him to suffer because of what we wanted. And so they brought him in and um, to be with us. And I was holding him when he passed away. And that was very hard holding your child when they pass away you know and we were so young and still trying to grasp what was happening but it is very lonely leaving the hospital do you guys feel like this horrible experience made you guys closer in any way yes it did. And the doctors had warned us that it, it tears a lot of couples apart, more so than keeps them together. And I owe that to Bill because he is just very optimistic. He's a caretaker and kind and generous in every way. And whereas I'm more pessimistic and, you know, sometimes I can play the victim a lot. And he just was there for me. And he, we lifted each other up. When this happens, people don't really talk about it. Nobody knows really what to say. People yeah. say things that can be so hurtful, but they don't mean it. And Bill is the type of person, and and it rubs off on me that uh, we didn't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. You know, like we were trying to be strong for everybody else because we didn't want anybody to worry about us. Mm. And so, you know, people would say things that. You just so well, at least you don't have a lifetime of memories, or you can save his name for your next baby, or you can try again. And we're still we don't have our we don't have our son, and we're just like, can we just grieve? And so when you're leaving the hospital and my body is going through, there's a baby. That was awful. That was yeah. that was a constant reminder. I couldn't, my body was yearning for my baby. And I mean, mind, body, spirit, everything. Still producing breast milk, still the same thing that every mother goes through. She experiences without the baby, which yeah. is difficult. And I'll t tell you, maybe the, the tough, like when we're together, it was good. When I worried the most is when we weren't together because of the depression. The, the second guessing and, and Angelica, she went through that for a long time. Like, I still feel a lot of guilt. Like, could, should have I done something different? Or could have I done something different? Was it my fault? Yeah, she a lot of a lot of blame. And then the same thing is, God, if we caught it sooner, could have they done something? I mean, you do a lot of self-reflection. And to be fair, people are trying to be supportive, but they don't know what to say. Because it, it's it's something like I said, in, until you go through it, you just don't know. So the little one-off comments that that were meant to be comforting were extremely hurtful. Like, oh, you you can use that name again, and uh, the the you can adopt if you, you can't have children because we didn't you, know what was wrong. You can have another. You can have another. You know, but and and, and getting through that. So. 
It's lonely. And, and it it's lonely. You and, feel alone, completely alone. Nobody understands. And, and Manny, I couldn't help. So she, she's been gracious saying that I was there. And I think I was there physically and in spirit. But she has a bond. You have a bond. Shannon has a bond with your kids that a guy's never going to know. No, no guy's ever going to know because they didn't grow inside their body. They didn't experience all that stuff. You just don't know. And so for me, it was how can I relate? Is, is it a, a, it's a problem I can't solve, which is very difficult for guys. Guys are task oriented. Like, you give me a problem, I want to solve it. But you learn to, okay, this is a problem I can't solve. You just got to listen a little bit. And group therapy. And this is one thing that me and Angelica were, were different on is she would go to, I think it was Rose where the mothers who lost children would, would talk. And maybe I had zero desire to go through that. For me, it was like, I don't want to relive it. I, I just can't relive it, you know? He internalizes things. And I was like, no, I need to be around people that have been through it. Because like I said, it's very lonely. And when you're trying not to talk to people about it or protect other people's feelings. You have to be around people that um, have been through it. It's just like you with your asthma. I don't know what it's like to have asthma or have your near-death experience and go through coma. You can explain it as best you can and I people can visualize it, but until you have gone through it, it's so, it, it's just, it's hard to explain, right? You can explain it and you can empathize, but until you feel that loss, whether it's an infant or a child or, you know, it, it doesn't matter what stage. It's just, it's the same. Loss is loss. And people grieve so differently. And he was trying to be so strong for me. We jumped right back in to try to normalize our lives. He had to work. His mother had died two years before. And so he was holding all this in, being strong for me. But at night, we cried together a lot. Together. Yelled and screamed. Why? 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 But for everybody else, we were very strong and stoic. And some people have said, you know, it didn't even look like you were really sad. And I'm like, fuck you, that you don't even understand what it's like to grieve. You don't know. Everybody grieves their own way. Yeah. Well, in the repercussions, the ripple effect. So start a question my faith. Yeah, you know? we did question our faith. I might not be a perfect Christian, but, you know, I believe in God and Jesus. And why? You know, so many people have kids that don't want kids, or uh, I was questioning, angry. questioning it, everything. Why us? How could this happen? My brothers and sisters, and I'm like Angela said, I got a big family. They just didn't know what to say. So sometimes they didn't say anything at all, and it, it and that I became don't. problematic too. Is that they don't care because yeah. they weren't calling and checking and, yeah. and stuff like that so but when they did call we would say everything's fine we're fine we're fine remember when you were pregnant because like right around the time I was pregnant with Drew mm -hmm. that's like a hard thing I've gone through yeah. that with other people as well because yeah. you know when you do end up having a healthy baby it yeah. you almost feel like this guilt yeah subsequently we had two beautiful healthy children afterwards and so yeah you do a survivor's guilt maybe and uh yeah you do have a little bit of guilt when you know somebody desperately wants a baby and everything was fine and then the next day it's not but it also allowed us to be there for others because nobody talks about it and so i was able to talk to people in my family and friends of friends people i didn't even know but they would ask you know what should i say what you know an experience and what I hope everybody gets from this podcast and nothing else is this happens a lot. And one of the things that it didn't bring me comfort, but we, I knew we weren't alone, is how many people started sharing stories of the third child that they lost and birth or even at a young age in that impact. And just it's more common than people think. And back in the day you just didn't talk about it. so when like chrissy teigen when she lost her baby and she was honest about it she was like i'm doing this just so that people 
talk about it more. And I'm like, why? We're in 2021. This was last year. Why don't people talk about it more? Why is there such a stigma and a shame? And it's not. It's just, like I said, I think it's because people are uncomfortable with the loss. Other people, other people. So my advice to anybody that knows somebody that is losing or has lost is just, you don't need to fill the silence. Silence is great. Just tell that person, you know, you love them. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm here for you. What can I do? You don't need to fill it with things that you think they want to hear because they don't want to hear it. And if they want to talk about it, let them know it's a safe place to talk about it. Because I love talking about feelings. We are parents of three, but we only publicly really speak about two because what are we supposed to say? Because if we say, yeah, we have three children, they'll say, well, where's your other one? And it turns into this whole thing and nobody knows what to say, you know? So there's guilt in that all the time. But I will tell you, we're extremely proud of all three of our kids. I never thought about that. That's got to be so hard. Like, how many children do you have? And your heart wants to say three, and then you, you still only say two, and then that probably feels yeah. really lucky. It does. So being able to talk about him and share our story about him is just, yeah. it's so good. And I thank you guys for allowing us to talk about it, and especially allowing him to share his perspective on some things. I will say this, coming out of this, the, the blessings, everything, and I'm a firm believer of this, everything happens for a reason, no matter how good, how bad, it's the mystery of faith. You don't have to understand it, but how to go through it. So my oldest nephew lost his firstborn. And we were able to, well, I was able to help his wife, and it was just through text messages, you know, have hope. It will never go away. It never goes away, but it gets easier. I have to say, I was a little shocked. Um, I've known Angelica and Billy, you know, for a very long time. So Shanna, you're pretty private people. You're not like me. You don't just throw all your shit on social media. <laughs> so when you started posting every year, a picture of Dylan with a pretty lengthy post about what it was like to lose your child and yeah. to lose him, I was shocked. Yeah. Because that's not typically the Angelica and Billy I know. Yeah. But when I was seeing the way people were receiving it, then yeah. I knew why you were doing it. It was yeah. for that very reason, that intention to let people know that it is okay to talk about. And I felt like that was exactly what was done. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. you still celebrate it. And it lets other people know that it brings it to the forefront, even for a moment where people are like, okay, they understand. And for that post or those posts, I take them that's truly for everybody else out there, a way to open our lives up a little bit and say, you're going to get through it. And it goes back to the blessings because if we wouldn't have gone through that stuff with Dylan, we would have never had Paige. I mean, Paige came literally right on the hills. Talk about rainbow baby, how they say your next baby after your loss is a rainbow baby. I must have gotten pregnant with her in February because she was born in December of 98. So I was like, I'm what? I'm pregnant? What the heck? Because this one won't leave me alone. <laughs> That's all the way around. Mandy. This one can't. I'm like, know, oh my God. I know but... it's hard to believe, Shanna. Mandy, she can't get enough of this. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'll tell you this, loving your kids deeply, and I think every parent loves their kids deeply, but when you lose a child, I think you appreciate the moments a little bit more because you know they could be fleeting. Mm -hmm. uh, when she got pregnant with Paige, that was probably the most terrifying year of my life. And, and God bless her. I mean, the steroids... I, you guys probably don't remember this. Remember how big Angelica got? <laughs> we have a picture. Oh, yeah. yeah, because I got pregnant again as well. Oh, and I was pregnant. Yeah. Three of us were pregnant at the same time. At different stages. Yeah. Yes. I literally was 200 pounds when I delivered Paige. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> For our listeners, Angelica's tiny. She's not like an Amazon <laughs> like me. <laughs> me and Shanna are really short. So 10 pounds is like, what the hell is happening? Let me ask you this. Isn't this against the doctor's advice? No, we hadn't gotten there because we were doing, we were going to do some genetic testing. We were, had been doing blood tests oh, and, stuff, okay. and they had said, well, if you want to do this, let's get you on steroids 
first. Let's get you on vitamins first. Let's get your body, your immune system up as best as it could be and then hope for the best. So then yeah. when I got pregnant, I was like, what the hell? And so I was scared, terrified, but my doctors were so good. I went in every two weeks for an ultrasound. And yeah. anytime I felt a pain, anything, come on in. It's okay. You're not crazy. It was, oh. oh my God, it was the best experience. I went to the emergency room twice. I can't, I don't know what's going on. What's happening. And they're like, you're okay. First trimester I went in every week. Then I went in every two weeks and then it was once. And then my third trimester was once a month. So I had the best care and everybody was making sure I was okay. I ate like a freaking, I, I mean, I ate all the time. The steroids make you hungry, you know? And I was like, I'm just going to get fat. I don't care. But I did not let myself bond with her until I hit the 28 weeks. And that makes me feel bad and guilt, but she's amazing. Paige mm -hmm. is amazing. An amazing, beautiful soul. The best child to have after that. It was like God said, Dylan's not ready, but this, this soul is ready. I'm going to give you her because he's not ready. It's not his time. So that got induced. She was healthy and she's still healthy. She's never nothing. She's just beautiful. And perfect. Perfect. Like I said, you appreciate it more. So yeah. literally for the first, almost probably the first year of when Paige was a baby, I had her sleep on my chest every night. He was scared to death and something would happen. Yeah, it was not for her. It was 100% for us. But I knew right here that nothing was going to go wrong. Nothing was going to happen to her. So you, I think it changed our caring of what I think well, we were probably yeah. been as parents. From that standpoint, you are so afraid of that loss again. Yeah. Made us the parents that we are. Feeling that unconditional love, even though he was didn't live very long, that was a gift from him. That overwhelming, just unconditional love for your child. I had felt that. I knew it. And he gave that to me. And then when Paige was born, having that again, it changed me. I know I wouldn't be the parent I am today had it not been for Dylan because I don't take it for granted. Not one minute of parenthood because I know what it's like. Again, blessings. God's blessing is then we follow up with Mitch. <laughs> I did freak out when I was pregnant with the boy. Okay. <laughs> I did freak out. We got the boy. But and so I know you guys did one on synchronicity. Uh, we always say synchronicity because of that podcast. I made him listen to it. But I'll tell you, the nephew who came to live with us in Colorado shares a birthday with Dylan. And Angelica treats him more like a son than a nephew. Uh -huh. But we, with having Mitch, you know, you get that sense of how Dylan would be. Now, I will tell you, especially this time of the year, like the smell and just time of year, the leaves falling, all that stuff that are the triggers, you still wonder what he'd be like. We try not to say, would Dylan be like Mitchell? Would he look like Mitchell? Would he, you know, but it's really hard not to because again, we were blessed with another amazing child. He is just kind and loving. They're both. And uh, handsome as shit. <laughs> He's very handsome. When I look at him, I'm like, would Dylan look like this? Or would he be more fair like his dad? I will tell you this. When I was in the hospital with Dylan, I had a dream of a baby boy running up a hill and he was naked and he was a toddler. He's probably like two-ish. And he was just kind of running up the hill and he had nice tan skin and he had like curly light brown hair and he would look at me, but he was like running up the hill. And that is the vision I have in my mind of what he would look like. And I think it was his way of saying, I'm okay. And when you give me messages that he, from him, I mean, it just means the world to me. But anyway, so we're blessed with two children, two healthy children after him. So there is hope for anybody who is knows somebody or going through this that you have to have hope even in the darkest of times. Paige did restore our hope. I was really in a bad place until she was born. She restored our hope and our faith. It definitely filled a void. 
uh, in a void that will never be 100% filled, but she definitely helped fill a void. And you guys were so, you guys are so amazing parents. I mean, Angelica, we spent Paige's first years that together. We did. And it was so all fun. The, in all the classes. If you, and I remember you being depressed, actually. Mm -hmm. and, and you went from someone where every time I hear certain songs in my car, I'm like, I start dancing and I'm like, Angelica, hey. <laughs> ah, to, girl. You know, being devastated. And I, mm -hmm. you know, that's just not who your soul is. Your soul is so vibrant and happy and, and full of Thank life. You. And then to see you, you know, shine again, you and Billy. Billy doting over Paige. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she yeah. is a daddy's girl. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I find it so intriguing and absolutely amazing that Dylan was strong enough to hold his little arm up and hold your finger. He had a little soul in his body. And like, did you feel his presence of his personality? No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Would you feel like his personality was? Spunky. Right. That, for me, just so, so much spirit. Yeah. It was, and it's, again, tough to put into words or to articulate, but he gave me a sense that it was going to be okay. It was going to be okay. Wow. That's, I yeah. just got chills all over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like maybe he um, lived as long as he did to, you know, like everything happens for a reason. I don't know if there's a lesson, but it was like, I'm holding on for you guys. Because oh. you needed me. And... Yeah. I've got to go. And so, yeah, I think he would have been spunky. He probably would have been my naughty child because Paige and Mitchell are <laughs> so good. He probably would have been the hellion, you know, like just, yeah. and I don't care. I would have, it would have been yeah. fun. How do you guys celebrate Dylan with your two children now? Like, have you talked a lot with Paige and Mitchell about him? And do you have any things that you do that help you with healing or to honor him and to talk about Dylan with them? Paige more so is in tune with him because when she was born, we were so fresh off of that, that we talked about him all the time. And so she says she feels him more than Mitchell. You know, I think he definitely shares in our stories about him, but he doesn't celebrate him like we do. Paige will post. Mitchell won't. Mitchell don't post talk. on anything. Yeah, he doesn't post anyway. But I will tell you this. There's nobody that's important to Mitchell or Paige that doesn't know Dylan's story. They know that they have a brother. Mm -hmm. you know? I think for them, it's difficult because they know how much pain it brings us. Yeah. But we'll always be a family of five. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. I'm going to switch it up for y'all today. I'm going to ask Angelica to leave any last words for maybe that woman out there who is struggling with her pregnancy or at the loss of a child. Maybe just some words that you feel on your heart to say to her. First and foremost, listen to your body. You know, I think deep down if there's something wrong or you need more attention and be persistent and know that if you do suffer a loss, that there is hope, hang on to that. No matter how dark it gets, it will get better. I don't know what that means for you, but it can and have your close circle of friends around you that you can rely on, that you trust. It could be one person. It could be two. Don't worry about how you grieve. Don't worry about being judged. Grieve, grieve. For God's sakes, grieve in every possible way you can. Because when you hold it in, it, it does no good for you. Let everybody know. You know, whether it's I'm not talking to anybody, I need two days to myself, or yell and scream at everybody and they should forgive. And and don't be embarrassed or ashamed of it because my gosh, being a mother, whether you have your child or not is a gift yeah. it is a gift thank you and and billy i'm going to ask the same it, just anything that's on your heart that you want to say maybe to that man out there that doesn't know the right words to say to his wife that might have just lost their child or 
to that man who is sitting there having to make some really shitty fucking decisions um, or to that man that doesn't know how to heal, what would you say to that father? Uh, Don't take it on yourself. I think this is just men. They push it all down, make it go away with time. And um, something like this is for you to be strong, for you to be who you need to be for your spouse. You, you got to be able to discuss your feelings and not internalize it so much. And you're going to second guess every decision that you make. That's There's consequences to no matter what the decision is. But stand true to your, your values. You know, it's tough because for men in general, it's, you don't talk about those things. You don't. Don't be afraid to talk. Don't be. Yeah. Be open, especially if it's just with your spouse. I think that's what tears couples apart, Mandy, is that the men might not want to talk to the woman because he's trying to be strong for her. Then they hold everything inside. That's a lot of weight for a man to to hold, you know, a lot. But for your listeners, really, you're not alone. Losing a child is the worst club that anybody could be a member of and nobody should be. But you are not alone in this. It is very lonely and isolating, but you're not alone. There's so many groups out there. If you need somebody to talk to who doesn't know you, get a hold of me. I mean, I am there for anybody day or night to go through it because you're not alone. Even if it's just to listen to you cry and not judge and not say anything. You guys are awesome. I heard you both say is intuition, you know, listen to yourself, listen to your gut, your, your truth, your morals, your values, your God and intuition, trust yourselves. I love that you guys brought that up. You guys made it because you guys communicated, you know, after I was in ICU and I got home, Kurt didn't talk to me a lot and he was very distant and I built up resentment towards him for that thinking it, it was because he didn't care. And then years later, when we finally talked about it, he said, no, it was just, he was internalizing it all. And he didn't know what to say and that he didn't know what to do and that he was going through his own trauma. Mm-hmm. And so it put a big block between him and I for a long time until we finally communicated about it. And then it dawned on me, holy shit. He was going through trauma too. And so thank you for coming on today, Billy, so that people can get an understanding that it is just as fucking hard for the man and that you grieve just as much. And so that's why I'm so glad that our episode before got lost into fucking outer space because you're on today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, next episode, Shanna, Mandy, it's got to be more happy okay so billy wants to be a regular on yeah next episode the male perspective, awesome. <laughs> you know yes wait hold on what is it going to be on billy tell us uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the conception yeah let's talk about how we made the baby <laughs> that, that brings smiles to my face <laughs> let's talk about you and me i'm so jealous of freaking georgia damn you guys for leaving <laughs> I know we miss you guys terribly. Yes. You guys, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I I knew this was going to be difficult. I'm so sorry that brought tears, but I'm so grateful that you were able to come on and share this story with other people and listeners. If you know anyone forward this episode to them, it's really, really an important one and, and means a lot to me. And I know to Billy and Shanna and Angelica too. So you guys, thank you so much for coming on Sense of Soul. We love you so much. Love you. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.